www.dotiv, integrative and preventive healthcare. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni, and we're here to discuss lifestyle medicine. What really strikes me these days is how mental health and depression has been at the forefront of health discussions, and actually a new wave. I don't know if new is the right word, but there's a lot of conversation around assisted therapy through uh, psychedelics, specifically psilocybin, uh, also known as magic mushrooms, which is basically a plant-based psychedelics. And psychedelic assisted therapy has been in clinical trials uh, in countries such as Brazil, Canada, Israel, Spain, Switzerland, the UK, and also the US quite an exciting time to to see where these new ways of approaching depression are turning up to be billions a tv show that i watch uh where the lead character bobby axelrod he's the billionaire who's trying to like tap into his subconscious mind to to kind of access a higher version of himself so that you know mm. he can you know become better and so he connected with this amazonian uh shaman who was conducting the ceremony at uh, the ayahuasca mm-hmm. ceremony the psychedelic that I was introduced to was ayahuasca which is a south american psychoactive brew uh, which is used both socially and as a ceremonial spiritual medicine uh, amongst the indigenous people of the amazon it just made me think about how amazing this tool could also be on top of healing or helping you heal your depression uh, being an aspect of you to access part of your mind to to be a better version of yourself. Yeah, definitely and there's a lot of wisdom that can be brought by ancestors, right? Because these are the ayahuasca example is something that've been done for for years now. And the thing is that in that setting it looks a bit woo woo but what the the clinical yeah. trials and research are doing is given the right setting, how can this be of use? Yeah, I think that the key word here is like safe and also trusted. Mm-hmm trusted environment uh, right. where cuz people tend to misconstrue like oh you know you're using psychedelics uh you know you're just doing it for recreational purposes and it's a it's a fun trip that you're going on right um and so i guess it's important for us to kind of give context and nuance to the fact that there is a difference between recreational and therapeutic, right. therapeutic use and for this we have uh Haya Haji and she is a positive psychologist from Saudi Arabia she specializes in psychedelic integration and her main interests include positive clinical psychology and bring, bridging the gap between psychedelic science in the region the middle east and north african slash southwest asia and north africa region hi thank you so much for being here we are excited and intrigued to have this conversation Hello and welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Welcome, Haya. Um, Haya, as a starting point, we'd like to know what are your observation between those who take psilocybin as part of assisted, um, you know, therapy versus the ones who are taking it recreationally. Hmm. So, what's the difference between um, the uh, the group of people that tend to take it recreationally and the group of people that t- tend to take it therapeutically? Is that the question? Yes, I think that that's that. And I guess it's the setting being so different. Yeah, absolutely. So in in a clinical setting, when someone takes psilocybin or when someone ingests psilocybin, they're doing it after having a number of preparatory sessions with a trained clinical psychologist or a trained mental health professional. Whereas um, in in a recreational setting, there's no none of that support. So in a clinical setting, if you were to, let's say you were to participate in a clinical trial for mm-hmm. psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy, 
you'd be working with a therapist, usually two therapists, and you'd be doing a number of preparatory sessions where your intention would be discussed, where your medical and psychological history would be discussed, where the treatment would be tailored to you. And then you would come to the dosing session in which you would you'd be dosed in a clinical setting that's supervised, that's controlled, and that's regulated. And you'd be doing so also with a therapist dyad, so two therapists, usually male and female. And after the experience, you'd also be working with these same therapists to integrate the, the downloads, let's say, or, the, or whatever comes up during the experience itself. In this setting, in a clinical or medical setting, you have a lot of support and a lot of supervision and a lot of guidance. The dose you're getting is measured too. So you know what you're, and you know what, you know what kind of psilocybin you're getting. It's usually pharmaceutical grade psilocybin, not, not magic mushrooms. In a recreational setting, as uh, previously mentioned, none of that psychological support. It's really hard to dose the substance. Usually people consume magic mushrooms or, or psilocybin mushrooms as opposed to psilocybin itself, like for the pharmaceutical version of it, which means that um, the the experience could really vary because when you consume um, psilocybin mushrooms as opposed to consuming psilocybin pharmaceutical grade, like the isolated compound of psilocybin, there can be a compound effect from the other molecules that exist within the, the mushroom. And every mushroom, there's so many different types of mushrooms. So every species has, um, has its own chemical makeup and that could really affect the experience too. But the main thing that I would really say is the difference is this idea of the set and setting, set being mindset and setting being the environment. These are two factors that greatly influence the psychedelic experience. And when one is doing, um, when one is having an experience in a controlled, supervised, regulated setting, their mindset is, is more intentional and it's more supported by mm. by the psychologists or the therapists in the room and the setting is very much curated for therapeutic purposes right. whereas when someone does it in a recreational setting you could you could do it in a recreational setting and have the intention to heal or the intention to to let go or you could you could really tailor your intention in a responsible and mindful way however the um the variables or the unpredictability is a lot Definitely. higher mm-hmm. so it's a lot riskier uh, same thing with setting like if, if someone were to be doing uh mushrooms at a party you don't really have control over the environment so things right. could go yeah. either way I think the key word here is really how unpredictable your setting is and the key difference between those two right and and how even though you could have the same intention, it's like, what is your environment? And your environment can actually have a very big impact on the actual experience, even though you set the intention. Absolutely. Um, and what has been your experience as um, a psychologist and, and how do you see this movement and how does it resonate to you? So the way that I've seen the field progress is, is very interesting. Um, it was very slow at first. There was a lot of stigma. There was a lot of um, misinformation around it. And then suddenly there was a book that was published in 2018 called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And this book really introduced psychedelics to the mainstream. Prior to that, Mm -hmm. it was a bit more fringe or a bit more niche. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the introduction of this this book or with the publication of this book, it really um, 
it really hit the mainstream because the book was written in a way that's accessible to the everyday person who has never heard of psychedelics from, from the suburban mom to the wall street professional. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's exploded in the last few years. I wrote my senior thesis on the clinical uses of psychedelics in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I only had a handful of studies and articles to work with. And I had a substantial amount of um, articles and, and studies. I mean, enough for me to write a thesis about it. But after, after, um, after that year in 2018, it was like every week there was an article on psychedelics. Every so often there was a study that was being published. So, um, so it's been interesting. There's a lot of nuances though with um, the progress of the, of the field. Um, so I think now that it's become a bit more mainstream or now that it's become more mainstream, there's a lot more um, questionable characters that are entering the field. So, yeah. And I guess like maybe in the context of our conversation, since you've seen how you've seen it progress over time, in particular, like psilocybin, for example, because it's associated with like people uh, is synonymous with uh, magic mushrooms, what actually psilocybin is and what does it do to us? So psilocybin is the active uh, the active molecule in magic mushrooms. So it's the psychoactive compound. And um, what it does is it's there are many ways in which it affects a person, but um, and it depends on the dose. Dose is very much um, it's it's very much contingent on the dose that one consumes. But um, in lower doses, it can have some elevate mood. It can boost energy and creativity. It can help with presence. This is microdosing, but microdosing is still, there's a lot of, there's a big question mark. Is it placebo or is it actually, is there an actual effect? But regardless of whether or not it's placebo, there's an actual effect. People are reporting that they are benefiting from lower doses of uh, psilocybin. What I spoke about now is more microdoses, so low doses. And then medium doses, one can uh, experience one can uh, begin to experience like an alteration in consciousness. One might become a lot more connected with the energetic world or the energetic field around them uh, in a way that is not accessible to them in waking consciousness or in sober consciousness. So for example, colors might become a lot more vibrant and alive. um, And uh, the way that one thinks might become a bit unusual. So what it does in higher doses is that it creates it creates connections between parts of the brain that usually do not communicate with one another so and you might experience synesthesia which is sensing senses with different senses if that makes sense so like being able to hear colors or taste sound things of that sort and you might relive old memories you might be able to process uh, traumas by being able to relive these old memories of course contingent on the fact that you're doing it in a safe environment right so like preparatory sessions actually mean uh psychotherapy it could be psychotherapy it could be it could also be coaching okay okay i guess it's also for the person to know exactly what's coming their way right like um, making them understand what what are the different potential stages or what to kind of be aware of what could happen not happen and it's uh, preparing the, the person for the worst as well I think so that mm-hmm. you're managing expectation would, would that be a good a good description of the pre pre-meeting so there's an element of what you described which is psychoeducation but there's also right. an element of um, getting to know 
the person and their needs a bit more and understanding mm. their intention. It's really, there's right. the preparatory sessions very much focused on intention, equipping the individual with the skills to be able to navigate the experience. And of course, explaining that it's not all uh, rainbows and butterflies. In the sense right. There might be, one might experience, one might experience bliss and, and uh, awe and ego dis- disillusion in a positive way, but there's right. also um, a chance that difficult experiences might come up. So there's this, mm. there's, there's an introduction of this idea of like equanimity, which is one's ability to notice and observe sensations and emotions without necessarily ascribing a positive or negative valence to it. So neutrality in a sense. Right. Could be interesting to go through what setting an intention mean, because it might be a bit too abstract for Mm -hmm. uh, some people. Could you, could you walk us through what an intention would look like? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on what's going on in an individual's life and what mm-hmm. what's drawing them to psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, the intention would be would be um, brought brought out. So so if someone is drawn to to psilocybin assisted psychotherapy because they've suffered with depression their whole life, mm-hmm. then their intention can be to unpack their depression or to, to, to alleviate the symptoms of their depression. Or if someone has uh, dealt with a specific childhood trauma, let's say the uh, intention might be to further explore uh, that experience and right. to, re, to, to re, readjust their narrative around that experience in a sense. Or if someone um, has tried many different methods of quitting smoking. So let's say someone has a nicotine or a tobacco addiction Mm -hmm. and they want to break that and they've tried multiple different therapies or treatments and nothing has worked. So they would come to sessions with the intention of addressing their tobacco or nicotine addiction. Mm -hmm. Does does that clarify? Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Being Mm -hmm. specific about the outcome and what is it exactly that you are trying to unpack or explore? I would not say being specific about the outcome because there's not much control over that. I would say being specific about, um, about the reason why, um, the why. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So the set, what, what is it that you're trying to, what kind of mindset are you trying to bring into this experience? So we kind of touched on the, the positive sides of how a psilocybin could affect you. So when you administer or not you particularly, but if someone administers, um, psilocybin what are the potential risks and what could be you know a negative outcome yeah so there are there are many risks associated with psychedelics or with uh, psilocybin um, physiologically the substance has a very safe profile meaning that one will not overdose or have a adverse physical reaction um, to to psilocybin however psychologically there are some risks associated with the with the substance. Risks being, it, it can be very disorienting. So if one doesn't have the proper support, they can really get lost in this landscape, this un, unusual or non-ordinary landscape. And it can be disorienting. Sometimes um, things might come up, like let's say someone might re-experience memories um, that are frightening. And if they're not supported, then they might not be able to make sense of it. And this can be deeply disturbing and this can affect one in uh, one afterwards. So it can, not very often, but it is possible to, that someone might be traumatized by the experience. There's some, mm-hmm. in more severe cases, people might experience depersonalization or extended prolonged dissociation. 
And uh, there are very, very rare instances in which people may experience psychosis, so substance-induced psychosis. Addiction is not a risk. Yeah, so would you mind explaining the dissociation bit? So dissociation is when one um, becomes out of touch with their body and their reality. Would it be fair to say like they're like in a limbo? Yes, they're not grounded. Right. They're not in touch with... With, with their reality in a sense and with their surroundings. It's like, it's like being checked out from your body in a sense. Right. Is that the same thing as what you said as depersonalization? Depersonalization is when you lose touch with, with yourself. There, there are similarities and there are differences. So this is, dissociation is more like being kind of absent from your, from your physical body and your reality. So depersonalization is like losing touch with your identity or with your, losing touch with, with your ego structure in a way that is unhelpful because it not it doesn't allow you to function um to function as a part of uh, as a part of society and to be able to interact with your surroundings as you it is helpful to under to be in a ego loss basically to unravel mm-hmm. some of your trauma is that correct Absolutely. So, so as part of the psychedelic experience or in therapy, something that one of the mechanism of action by which um, um, psilocybin assisted psychotherapy works is that it leads to ego death or ego disillusion, which can be very helpful as long as you have a professional or you have the resources to put your ego back together so that mm. you can rejoin reality. So, I mean, our ego, our ego is important for us to be able to function as, as human beings, as, as human beings that are in relation to others. Um, so being able to unravel the ego so that you can strip yourself from your cultural and societal conditioning um, and to you know, rearrange parts of, of, of your life that might not be working for you anymore, that's important as long as you can come back to you or come back to some form of you. But if you go into a psychedelic mm-hmm. state and your ego is completely unraveled, but you stay there in that unraveled mm. state, then you can't really rejoin reality in a sense. You become mm. out of touch. Yeah. You can't really function as a human being, which is when it becomes um, an issue. So when you do experience um, an altered state of consciousness, mm-hmm. I guess that when you are in that session, it's, it's quite beautiful and powerful when you actually can strip down all the societal pressure barriers your learned behaviors and mm-hmm. it has no emotion actually it, it's just there it's facts and it it's very powerful to witness this but it's true that the real world doesn't function like that mm-hmm. and um you explaining that you need to reconstruct it so that you can rejoin reality mm-hmm. i think for people to understand that this is a very important step um i think will encourage them to be assisted properly for those ones who are doing recreationally without you know assistance yeah a key term there is what you were describing is integration so that that experience that you described could be very beautiful and very therapeutic but Mm. how do you take it and make sense of it how do you take and how do you apply these learnings to your day-to-day um lived experience or your day-to-day reality um, and unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, there are, it's not it's not easy to just you know check out and, and become a monk and move to, to a mountain. As <laughs> as tempting yeah. as that sounds, we we have yeah. to rejoin reality and we have to rejoin um, we have to find a way to be able to uh, navigate the the world that we live in. Yeah. 
psilocybin is the tool to unravel things, but then it's for it's in your mm-hmm. power to be able to make sense out of it and function in, in society. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I, I think if people tend to use or like rely on psychedelics or I guess any sort of substance to as a form of like escapism, right? Mm-hmm. To think that this is going to uh, either detach me from my problems or, yeah, as you said, disassociate in a lot of ways. So there is a very tricky line. And I guess that's where the, the clinical psychologist role comes in because you're in coaching, right? The mm-hmm. setting the clear intention. Otherwise, um, you can the, the intention can get lost in translation, I would think Absolutely. so. When, when you describe like a person that's a bit far out, have you heard that term when someone is like a bit yeah. too far out? So, yeah. I mean, you know, objectively speaking, maybe that's not necessarily... Uh, a, a bad thing like I'm talking about in relation to uh, in relationship to people who might use psychedelics overuse it for escapist purposes when someone is far out that means that you can't really reach them you can't really com- connect with them or communicate with them and that's very detrimental to their health and to the health of society because I mean we are animals that are in relation to others and in relation to our environment so if one takes too much psychedelics because you know they're trying to escape or they're trying to they're trying to speed up this surpass yeah or like uh, try to speed up the process of, en- of enlightenment let's say mm-hmm. they're going to become really lost in in right. the in these right. different realms let's say and they won't be able to um, make connections that will allow them to function as as healthy human beings so yeah being being too far out isn't a good thing yeah, so kind of picking up on the, the point you were saying where you can't, mushrooms are, or, or psilocybin is known not to be addictive. But I think that mm-hmm. what is addictive or what is, you know, exciting, it's mm-hmm. a shortcut to consciousness. It's a shortcut mm-hmm. being in the now and the present and sometimes ego death. That shortcut can be um, addictive or so attractive that you would want to, you know, tap into it. But then I think what happens is that you lose yourself in the process because you you don't know how to ground after going into these uh, other realms absolutely that's very very beautifully put Bunny. um and that makes me think about a quote by carl young um who uh, he died before before the late 60s early 70s and this whole wave of like psychedelic experimentation i urge anyone who is listening to this to really contemplate this uh, this quote carl young says beware of unearned wisdom so mm. that could be mm. in the in the case wow. of like when you know over consuming psychedelics trying to become wiser trying to reach an enlightenment it's it's not really what what comes to you during the psychedelic experience or during psychedelic therapy it's what you do afterwards downloads and making sense of it and and incorporating into your day-to-day life because otherwise it's just if you're not making sense of what comes up during the experience it's just another drug experience i call it the homework (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good point and i think gives another layer of like nuance to the fact that it's between recreational and and clinical right so if you don't actually integrate the the information that you download, yeah. um, it's just a fun experience. Yeah. <laughs> just for people who don't really know what to expect, and you kind of touched on this, but um, are there general phases that kind of people people go through when they take uh, psilocybin mm-hmm. that they 
they have to meet that they have to meet in the process so that they know that it's a complete process. I've traveled to the Netherlands on on numerous occasions, and I've actually done work with um with a psychedelic retreat center over there. So I've had my own psychedelic, my own legal psilocybin experience, and right. the way I can run you through it. So basically, what happens is when you first ingest ingest the the substance, you have a period where you're coming up or where the the substance it's taking its effect. And that can be very confusing and very disorienting. So, you know, you start realizing that like your body just feels very different. It doesn't feel the way it usually feels. You might have thoughts that are unusual too. Um, and uh, it can be pleasant. It can be very confusing. So that's what we call like the, let's say like this is when you're ascending or when you're mm -hmm. coming up. And then there is the peak or the, the height of it in which um, there's many ways that one can experience this on the positive end of it. There is, um, there's this experience of, of awe or this experience of uh, ego dissolution, as we mentioned earlier, um, or an experience of, of this heart opening experience, which is where the healing comes from. Uh, and then, you know, that kind of comes and goes in waves that lasts about an hour or two. And then one starts to descend in a sense where the, the, the medicine or the substance starts to wear off. Did I explain right. that? Okay. Or? Yeah, I think you hit the, the key point is, I guess, that people should uh, be aware of if they decide that they want to go and, and, and uh, experience it. During the ascension or the come up, let's say, one can really, because it's so disorienting, one can really um, uh, experience resistance and the resistance can cause a lot of pain or a lot of suffering. Um, and, right. uh, and, you know, emotions can come up that are uncomfortable or emotions that have been buried down. But once someone surrenders to that experience, and that's what preparation really helps with one, um, one to be able to do, which is to surrender to the experience, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. that's when things start to flow. And that's when one starts to really be able to dive into their subconscious mind and to, to, to go with the experience, to experience ego disillusion or ego death um, and all, all the other beautiful healing um, aspects of, of the psychedelic journey. Explain a bit more what you meant by um, the barrier or the restrictions. What is in the ascending phase? What is it exactly that, you know, is, where does it come from? Is it like fear of what's, what mm -hmm. you're actually experiencing um so you're you're starting this 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 journey or this experience and you're seeing the restrictions that might come up and where does this come from because we're seeing at the peak you have potentially an ego death experience where all these you're kind of um dissociated with all these emotions and positively dissociated yeah so what is the what are these barriers well where, where do they come from so the experience is very subjective. I wouldn't be able to speak on behalf of everyone, but um, from, from my own experiences in the Netherlands um, with, with synthesis where I worked, um, for me, what, my, my, what the resistance came from was like, I guess, uncomfortable uh, emotions that I had been suppressing. Mm -hmm. We're sorry. So it's really subjective and it, differ, it, it, it uh, varies from person to person. Mm -hmm. But the reason why, why psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy can be so helpful is because in our waking consciousness, we have these very intricate, intricately developed psychological uh, defense mechanisms that can be very 
harmful in the long term. So mm -hmm. we suppress emotions and memories that are difficult and that are painful so that we can function in a sense. Right. But what you, mm -hmm. what you resist persists. Mm -hmm. So what happens in a psychedelic experience or during the come up, let's say, is that these emotions will start to surface. So primarily um, um, emotions that, that typically are buried and start to surface might be something like anger, which beneath it really is sadness or grief. And you can imagine if you've, if you've spent so much time really pushing that stuff down and it starts to come up, it might be really confusing. It might be really right. comfortable to have to sit with these emotions, but there's no way there's no way to to process it other than getting through it to to go mm. through it. So and once and once you are able to actually allow these emotions to come up to the surface, acknowledge them, really feel them, embody them, feel them in your body, they pass through, and that's where mm. you reach. That's wh when you can actually be ushered into a peak experience, a mystical experience. Um, you know, this experience of, of ego death disillusion or um or or ego death which is um very beautiful very healing mm. um i would like to just highlight one thing actually just um to explain why it's so difficult to talk about the experience it's because it's ineffable it's con it's described as being ineffable meaning that there's no words that could do it justice in, ex in, ex in describing what the experience is like mm. it's something that is felt and not described what do you feel about journaling? Because a lot of people are, after they're doing this or during the experience start journaling. But I would say that journaling is a very is a great complementary practice to um, the psychedelic experience, meaning that it can it can it can be great in trying to make sense using words of the experience. Uh, it can be it's a great tool to to jot down what are the main takeaways um, in, mm -hmm. in in language form uh it can be a great way of uh, supporting the integration process so right. putting down the key downloads let's say or the key insights or realizations you're, we're going to have to find a way to translate that into words right and if, if mm -hmm. not then there are other activities that one can engage in to embody um to embody the experience or, or the learnings of the experience active meditations like drumming uh mm -hmm. yoga um anything active making right. music because that doesn't use language but that that does help translate emotions even though we are we're talking about psilocybin or assisted therapy and and um psychedelics assisted therapy it's still um kind of in research it's still clinically trialed is it legal is it legal in the uk uh psilocybin yeah no it's not legal in the uk yet it will be very soon in the next five years we're hoping so where there, is it legal there's initiatives it's legal in jamaica it's legal in the netherlands it's decriminalized in portugal but it's not legal in portugal it's uh, decriminalized in parts of the u.s such as um colorado so what's the difference between decriminalized and legal yeah. what's the difference between legal versus decriminalized so legal means that you can actually consume the substance um, without breaking a law or you can purchase it without breaking a law whereas uh, decriminalized means that it's like the least important um, thing in uh, in the eyes of uh, law enforcement so meaning that law enforcement don't see it as that big of an of a legal issue however if you are caught um uh, selling it then you're 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 going to be persecuted for that or you're going to be arrested for it Mm. And so I guess 
we could probably speak for hours and, and keep going, but uh, I think we, sh we should close off. <laughs> um, so thank you, Haya. Uh, before we, we close off, we normally do a, a rapid fire round of questions. And so just to get to know our practitioners and uh, mm -hmm. speakers. So the first question for you is, what is the first sign that you notice when you are out of balance? <laughs> out of balance. I think gut issues. <laughs> All right. And our second question is, what is your method for coping? Uh, when you notice that the gut is out of balance, what do you do? I drink water. Hydrate. Hydrate, okay, yes. yes. Simple and effective. <laughs> um, and finally, uh, what is one book or documentary or movie that has impacted your approach to well-being or wellness? There's an excellent book called A Dose of Hope which I recommend to, um, to everyone who's interested in the field of psychedelic therapy. Who's and the author? The it's, it's by Dan Engel. Okay. I'm happy to send you a link to it. Great. The reason why it was very helpful is because it introduces very, very simplified uh, tools that um, for, for the psychedelic experience, but not just for the psychedelic experience. I think like reality can be very psychedelic. So these tools can be used uh, for day-to-day -day life. Well, thank you, Haya, for your insight and, and giving us context to what psilocybin is and, and um, how we should approach it if we were considering it, you know. Um, and thank you for being on our show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Haya. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. Till then, stay well. Mm -hmm.